Our gospel reading tonight comes from John 10. And I only want to highlight one phrase. I've been thinking about it all week. That in this text, that Jesus says, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. I can't stop thinking about that. My sheep hear my voice. That apparently, even though we don't have any um, Instagram footage of the life and ministry of Jesus, his voice has a sound that's distinct. His voice has a sound that's recognizable. His voice has a sound that some people know and some people don't know. My sheep know my voice. I feel like I've spent a lot of time in the last few years thinking about that sound trying to figure out what that sound is, what that sound is not. How to tell the difference between the sound of that voice and the sound of all the other voices. The sound of that voice and the sound of other voices that invoke his name. The sound of that voice and the sound of other voices in my head. The sound of that voice versus the sound of a lot of other voices in social media, or whatever. A few weeks ago, we were at a conference with Richard Rohr in New Mexico, and we came out of the restaurant, and from across the street, there were people yelling Bible verses from the Old Testament. And I was feeling a little relaxed, and I ended up talking back to them which is something I never do with those kind of street preachers. They were quoting scripture. They were yelling scripture. They were invoking the name of Jesus. But I know that I know that I know if I know anything, if I know anything at all, if I know anything about God, if I know anything about life, I know that's not the sound. I know that's not the sound of his voice. I know that's not the sound of his voice. I know that's not God. I'd stake my life on that claim. If I'm wrong, go ahead and fry me for a couple million years, whatever. I would stake my life on the claim. That is, I know that's not the sound. And yet, how do you know when so many people claim to speak for God? How can we know the sound? Is it about the words? Is it, is, is there, is there a tone to it? Tone does matter, by the way. Since I'm an American, and I'm getting ready to go to South Africa. It's interesting, the next few months I'm doing a little more international travel. I'm not some man of leisure, it's just I speak sometimes. So going to South Africa and um, Australia and Ireland all the next few months. So I guess they're all places that more or less speak the same language. But I have traveled a lot in my life and done a lot in the Middle East in particular. And if you've been to other parts of the world, especially if you're an American, we are 
expert communicators, of course, because Americans intuitively know that if you're talking to someone else and you don't speak their language, we know how to communicate. You just speak louder. Universally, of course, this is understood. Just talk louder and everyone will understand. Isn't that right? I'm being facetious, of course. That is really, that's, that, is the, that is the terrible thing about us. We think if you just talk louder, tone actually is a thing. Um, I think about this because it happens so often in Scripture that you have so many, so many times, so many examples even within the text where someone quotes the text, where someone quotes Scripture. I mean... In the wilderness, the devil actually quotes Scripture to Jesus. And yet, Jesus has to rebuke him. Um, I think about a lot. It's a random passage, but one I distinctly enjoy for some reason. The Apostle Paul is going around preaching and teaching, and this woman who's been possessed by devils is following him around saying in a loud voice, behold, these men are servants of the Most High God. And what she's saying is theologically right. They are servants of the Most High God. And she's telling people to listen to them. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with what she's saying. And Paul turns around and casts the evil spirit out of this girl. Because apparently sometimes the wrong spirit can say the right thing. And this is why there must something be something larger than doctrinal correctness. There must, be, there must be something larger than whether or not it's in there in the text somewhere. I'm convinced there's something particular about the voice of Jesus. There's something about the voice of Jesus that's unlike any other voice. And I will be the first to say, and not everybody loves it when I talk like this, but since Jesus is the image of the invisible God, according to Paul in Colossians, and since, according to Hebrews, he's the exact representation of who God is, he's, he is everything before Jesus is shadow. It's beautiful. There's all kind of revelation. There's all goodness, but it's not the full revelation of God. Jesus is the final word. Jesus is the ultimate word. Jesus is ultimately all that God has to say for us. And I'm convinced Jesus on the cross saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing is the ultimate revelation of who God is and how God is. So I'm convinced that that word is the word through which we understand all the other words. I understand all the other words, lowercase, through the lens of the word who is Jesus. I believe that scripture is the word insofar that it reveals Jesus, capital W, to be the word. Jesus is the one, by the way, who validates the text, not the other way around. But I'll save that theology lecture for another time. The text is good because it reveals Jesus. <laughs> because Jesus is in it. But Jesus is the full revelation of God. And because of Jesus, we have to revisit everything else we thought we knew about God through that lens and through that perspective. And I could talk about that all night. But I think the main thing I want to say tonight, for whatever the reason, is that if there's anything that to me has become clear about the voice of God in Christ, as Jesus is the one who says, my sheep hear my voice, which I, I just realized a major presupposition here, 
You see, I understand it's, it's probably clear already that I'm somebody who thinks that God is still talking. <laughs> so yes, I am one of those people who thinks that God is still talking. But since Jesus is the one who says, my sheep hear my voice, to me, if there's anything that's characteristic about the voice of Jesus, it's simply this. Tenderness. The voice of Jesus is tender. The voice of Jesus is tender in a way that no other voice is tender. It's tender. It's tender in a way that breaks your heart. I've thought about today, in addition to my wonderful mother who's here, I, have, I do have some amazing spiritual mothers who are no longer with us. Two in particular, my grandmother who died when I was 18, and Sister Margaret Gaines. Some of y'all are new to me, so you haven't heard me talk about Sister Gaines. You'll hear about her as long as you know me, because I always talk about her. She just died about a year and a half ago. But biggest influence on my life in ministry. 19 years old, Pell City, Alabama, God calls her to ministry, ends up in the Middle East, little Palestinian village called Abud, becomes a missionary there. Just a remarkable woman. She died at 85. And she so changed my life. I almost, by the way, and you can Google this, on my way, I, I hate throwing things at the team when I realized we had a video, and that video with Julie was so perfect. It was so good, I wouldn't want to do anything else. But it dawned on me right before church, there's a wonderful video of Sister Margaret on the internet. So if you want to just like Google Margaret Gaines, um, there's a beautiful, it's on YouTube. Because, um, <laughs> well, that sounds funny the way I said it to me. It's on YouTube, you know, like the kids use the YouTube. Um, but it's interesting, because if I give you this homework assignment, try it out and see if you know what I mean. The video I'm talking about is about 10 minutes. At the church I pastored in Charlotte, we sent some folks, a film crew out to spend some time with her. We knew she was in her latter years and all that. And I'm telling you, if you listen to her for a few seconds, you don't have to, I hope you will watch the whole 10 minutes because it's 10 minutes. But you, you'll know within a few seconds of hearing her voice what I mean that it's a different sound. There's like an, it's very much in this world and yet an otherworldly kind of tenderness to it that is just God. Another one of my mentors, Dr. Ricky Moore, a great Old Testament professor. Somebody asked him once, how do you know the voice of God? It's the voice that breaks your heart. There is something heartbreaking, not in like a assaults you way, but like the way that tenderness breaks your heart, the way that goodness breaks your heart. It's so palpable in her voice. You can hear God in her voice. Like you really can. This week, as I'm already, um, a number of us have always already been reeling from the death of my good friend Rachel Held Evans and been carrying that close. Another person who I've considered a mentor from afar, though I was only in his presence once, died this week, and that's Jean Vanier. Anybody know who Jean Vanier is? Founder of the L'Arche Communities. I mean, amazing, amazing story. He was 90, so he lived a full life. But Vanier, um, where you had folks that were severely disabled living in community with people who were not. And, you know, when I, when I went to hear Vanier in person for the first time, I mean, he's a giant of a man, probably has a couple inches on me. I think he was like six, seven or something these enormous hands. And I've just never, I've never heard anybody sound more tender. It's like you hear, his, you hear him talk and you want to cry. Once again, homework, if you Google 
On Being, the great show with Krista Tippett. On, Krista Tippett did a, a, an interview with him that is my favorite interview in the history of that show. It's an amazing interview. Listen to that interview and you will see what I mean. You will hear it, and I don't think this is sacrilegious. You will feel like you've been sitting with Jesus if you'll listen to that 50-minute interview. There are saints who are like that. There are people in the world that to be with them, you feel like you are in the presence of Jesus. And the only through line I've found with people like that is that there is something so tender about them. And I don't claim to be one of those people. I definitely aspire to be. <laughs> that so bathe in the tenderness of God. Which doesn't mean you don't ever say anything challenging or prophetic or hard, but there's a tenderness that's there that's so real, that's so palpable, that's so different. And I'm kind of at a place now that when people claim to speak for God, no matter what they say, or no matter how many Bible verses they line up, because you can line up Bible verses to say a lot of things. How many know I'm right? You can support almost anything by taking things out of context. I know when I'm not hearing the voice. And when I'm not hearing the voice, I'm not going to listen to you. When I'm not hearing the voice, I'm not going to be led. Cece read from Psalm 23 tonight, which connects the shepherding language of John 22. My sheep hear my voice. We have to know his voice to be led by the shepherd. We, it's so important that we know what his voice sounds like. When I don't hear that sound, I ain't going to follow. <laughs> when people try to make me afraid... When people fear monger, when people try to make me afraid of someone who's like, not like me, I check right out because I'm quite certain that is not the sound of the shepherd. I know that's not what he sounds like. I know it. You know it in your deepest, truest self. You know it. <laughs> you know. I've heard plenty of hot and bothered sermons in my life of just people getting off. And other people like it because it's run people down who aren't them. And there is no anointing on it. There's no grace. There's no power. There's no freedom. There's no truth. There ain't nothing happening in the room. But people patting themselves on the back. And there is nothing life-giving happening in the room. There's no grace happening in the room. And, you know, I don't know why I just said that in such an edgy way. I just want to encourage you tonight that there is a sound to the shepherd's voice and that you can know that sound. You can recognize that sound. You can hear it. I know too when I'm not, when I'm not listening to that sound within me because whenever I... Um, how can I say this? I mean, it happens all the time. <laughs> I have all kinds of instincts and impulses. I have all kinds of reactions to things that I'm pretty sure are not, it's not that sound. When what comes up inside me is kill them, flip them off, rail at them, or uh, rake them on social media. Most of the time I figure that's not the Lord, you know, most of the time. Maybe I should discern this <laughs> a little deeper. Might feel it really strongly. But seriously, like I go back to that a lot if it's not tender. 
And I, I really am convinced that even in the work of like pursuing justice and all that, there's a way to tell hard truths that can still be tender, that are still not refusing to see the humanity in the face of someone else who's a brother and sister. Because what does the gospel do if not call us to look at people that we would consider to be an enemy and look them eyeball to eyeball and call them our friends? Still what we have to do. And that makes me mad. Because I always have somebody I want to demonize or vilify. I mean, you know what it is? Everybody needs somebody to look down on. Isn't that true? We all need somebody. And the Lord just keeps not giving me permission to do that. It's grating. But that's just not how the shepherd talks. So I don't even know what all I'm doing tonight. But I think I've, I think I've said enough. I want to encourage you to listen for the voice, to tune in for that voice, that still small voice, to listen for the tenderness, to be open to hearing the tenderness of God in surprising spaces and through surprising people. You'll hear that sound in places you would not expect if you're paying attention. And the converse is also true. If you're really paying attention to the voice, you'll be surprised at some of the places where you're supposed to hear the voice where you will not hear much of anything at all but a clanging cymbal <laughs> and a lot, of, a lot of noise. My sheep, Jesus says, know my voice.